Welcome to Hence the Future podcast. I'm Adam Mortronin, and today we're discussing future-proof jobs. In other words, jobs that are immune from automation and that are likely to still be performed by a human 50 years from now. This is an important topic to discuss because the dynamics of the job market are changing pretty drastically right now. Since the early days of the pandemic, employment numbers have recovered, but we're still far below pre-pandemic levels. So to put some numbers to it, 22 million jobs were lost during the first months of the pandemic, and hiring has picked up since then, since people have gotten vaccinated, since stores have opened back up, and we've recovered 12 million of those 22 million jobs. However, that means we're still about 10 million jobs short. At the same time, the labor force participation rate has declined, meaning there are fewer people actually looking for a job, actually contributing to the labor force than what we saw pre-pandemic. So right now, about 40% of working age people are not participating in the labor force. Another important trend is that many employers are complaining that they're not able to hire enough workers. And in many cases, this is requiring them to increase wages and increased wages mean oftentimes they have to increase prices so that they can still remain profitable. And there was recently a survey done from the National Federation of Independent Business that showed that 42% of business owners are not able to fill job openings. There's an example of this that just appeared yesterday where Chipotle announced they are raising prices on their menu across the board by 4% in order to pay for their higher wages of $15 an hour for employees. There's also been another trend, which is that the rise of self-employment has really picked up its pace in the last couple of months. So just in the last month alone, the number of self-employed people rose by 351,000. So all of this is to say that the job market is in a massive state of flux right now, and there's a lot of questions about how the job market will evolve in the future. Will higher wages, higher prices, and the difficulty that employers are having in hiring workers lead to more adoption of automation, robotics, and AI technology? And will that adoption of technology make most people not just unemployed, but unemployable? And what sort of an effect would that have on the fabric of our society and the functioning of our economy if most people are not able to earn a living by the jobs that they typically do? Or maybe entirely new job sectors will be created that we hadn't even thought of before, and they will replace the more mundane, repetitive jobs that will be taken over by AI. So in that sense, maybe all these concerns about automation and mass unemployment are overblown? That's the question we're going to answer in today's episode. And I will say, when Justin and I first started Hence the Future podcast in 2018, one of our main concerns was automation and mass joblessness as a result of AI. Now in 2021, I feel far less concerned than I did back then because I can see these new job sectors, these new future-proof job sectors emerging And I can see that we are heading towards a pretty nice horizon for where the future will lead. So today I want to focus specifically on three future-proof job sectors, the crypto economy, the soft skills economy, and the creator economy. And after that, we will look at the three job sectors that are most at risk of automation before getting into the future scenarios. Let's start with the crypto economy. And to understand where the crypto economy is heading, we have to look at where it has come from. So the old school way to collaborate with people when baby boomers were in their heyday was to hire W-2 employees. So if you work for some company like Don Draper did in Mad Men, 
the typical situation is that they hire you as an employee, you work there for years, maybe decades, maybe for your whole working career, you work at the same company. And in exchange, the company gives you a stable salary, they'll give you benefits, and you can live the American dream of having a car, a house with a white picket fence. That was the old way things were done in the post-World War II era. Fast forward to once Gen Xers and millennials start to enter the workforce and things have changed. Now it's really rare to have someone work for the same company for five years, let alone 20 years. And most employers do not want to hire W-2 employees. They prefer to hire independent contractors because it's more flexible. They don't have to pay their benefits. They don't have to withhold federal taxes. And there was a major battle between gig economy companies like Uber and the government who thought that Uber drivers should be considered employees, whereas Uber argued they should be considered independent contractors. And the gig economy companies pretty much won that argument. Uber drivers are considered independent contractors now, and the gig economy really exploded in the years just before the pandemic. So every venture capital firm wanted to create Uber for X, and there was all of these types of companies Upwork, for instance, is a great way to collaborate with people all around the world. 99designs is a great way to find designers all around the world. Substack is a way where you can have independent journalists collaborating all around the world. So this gig economy or hustle economy really rose to prominence in the years leading up to the pandemic. Then the COVID-19 pandemic occurred and the gig economy took a major hit. It was now more dangerous to be someone that's driving around and interacting with people all the time. And even now that the pandemic is ending and people are vaccinated and those same health concerns are no longer as pressing, people still aren't as eager to go back to the old gig economy ways. Some people think maybe it's because of the enhanced unemployment benefits that people just aren't willing to work for $8 an hour or whatever when they could receive the same amount of weekly income just by sitting at home and, and collecting unemployment. But I think there's also a deeper trend going on. And that trend is that it's no longer as desirable to work for some third party company where you don't have any stake in the company, you don't really get any of the upside, and you are really just being told what to do by the machine, by the algorithm. That used to be more advantageous. It used to be kind of a cool thing to be able to choose your own hours, work whenever, and make some extra money on the side. But now people really want ownership. They want to be more than just a cog in the machine. They want to be a stakeholder. That is precisely what DAOs offer. DAOs, D-A-Os, are decentralized autonomous organizations, and they have been really rising to prominence since the pandemic started. A DAO is kind of like an Upwork or an Uber, where it's a way for many people to collaborate with one another. But the difference is that you don't have one central entity basically taking all of the profits and maintaining all of the control. Instead, all the members of the DAO are stakeholders. They all share in the profits and they all share in voting rights. So these DAOs will issue tokens. And so it's kind of like a commune or a collective where everyone is part of this new organization and everyone succeeds together, struggles together, fails together, but it provides some ownership and it provides some incentive 
to actually want to do hard work and collaborate with the potential for upside. And there's a ton of ways that you can contribute to a DAO. If you're a developer, there's tons of development work that's needed. If you're a designer, there are web pages and marketing materials that need designing. If you're a writer, there's all types of blog posts and documents that would be needed. So there are nearly endless ways that you can contribute. The space is growing so rapidly. And I don't know if you heard the latest news, but it's worth mentioning right here. And that is that El Salvador just announced they will be the first country in the world to accept Bitcoin as legal tender. That is huge. And there's this amazing chart I'll show, which shows the entire world map in gray. And then there's this one little orange dot of El Salvador, and that's the first country to accept Bitcoin. And because they accept it as legal tender, it means they don't tax capital gains on it because it's just like as if you were holding dollars in America, like you don't get taxed based on that. And not only that, but they are allowing anyone who invests three Bitcoin in the country to become a permanent residence with full citizenship. So you could, for instance, buy a beachfront property in El Salvador, which has phenomenal surfing for three Bitcoin, and you are a full citizen for the rest of your life. Not only that, but you have an investment that might grow over time. So I think a lot of countries like El Salvador, especially countries that have unstable currencies, will start to adopt Bitcoin. They will start to adopt the new decentralized global financial system. And we're now seeing Brazil and we're seeing Mexico and we're seeing Guatemala and we're seeing these other countries start to propose legislation to have Bitcoin accepted as legal tender. So I think we're going to start to see Central America, South America, Africa, Eastern Europe, these will be the first countries to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender, and then we'll see it spread to other countries. So the opportunity for anyone who's considering what job they would like to have is that this space is exploding and it's still fairly early. So no matter how you fit in, whether you work for a DAO, whether you're a miner, whether you're an investor, whether you start your own DeFi app, no matter what you do, you've got a pretty good chance of success if you are in this crypto economy sector. Now let's talk about the second future-proof job sector, the soft skills economy. So aside from the crypto world, maybe you're not into all that high-tech stuff, maybe you're not as technologically minded, well then the soft skills economy might be the best approach for you. And I'll just ask you a question, would you wanna have a robot barber cutting your hair? I know that for myself, even if the robot barber was incredibly skilled with a blade and I didn't have to worry about it chopping my head off, I still would not want to hire a robot barber. So there are a lot of jobs like that where no matter how good AI gets, no matter how good robotics and automation get, you would still prefer a human to do that job. Same thing with a therapist. Even if a robot AI is really good at asking the right follow-up questions and analyzing your emotions and all of that, you still would probably prefer to talk to a real human being who you can have a relationship with. Same thing with elder care workers. You would always want a human to take care of you. And by the way, it's not always an either or. There will be all of the machine learning aspects of healthcare and elder care workers, but there will also still be need for people who have empathy to actually take care of people in their twilight years. Now let's talk about the third future-proof job sector, the creator economy. Human beings are social animals. That is one of our biggest aspects that makes us human. And one of the worst punishments you can do to a human is put them in solitary confinement where they cannot interact with other humans. 
So I truly believe there is an endless desire for people to interact with one another. And therefore, there are endless ways that we can entertain each other, whether we're making Netflix shows for one another, whether we are creating funny TikTok videos, whether we're creating insightful blog posts on Substack or creating cool podcasts where we talk about interesting developments. And the creator economy already exists. There are fewer and fewer traditional media companies now, and there are more and more independent creators that are filling that gap. And the big shift happening in the creator economy right now is similar to the shift in the crypto economy, where we're moving away from centralized entities that control the creator's relationship with their audience, and we're moving to direct relationships that are decentralized. So you can actually have a direct relationship with your audience. So for instance, in the early creator economy, Substack was the best platform if you wanted to be a writer or journalist. And Substack takes a percentage of all of the subscriber revenue that you earn each month. So rather than signing up for Substack, you can now install Ghost on your website where you can directly control your relationship with your audience. And if you think about it, even if GPT-7 or whatever the crazy new AI is, is able to create better written content than most humans, I still think people are going to want to read books written by humans because there is something special about the human experience itself. So regardless of how much AI progresses, people will still want to message their friends. They'll still want to see their friends' funny videos. They'll still want to read their friends' books and interact with other friends, acquaintances, or strangers in meaningful ways. The creator economy is here to stay. And I would say the main determining factor of whether you succeed in the creator economy is whether you are truly passionate and curious and interested in what you're creating. If you do that and you follow your internal compass of what interests you and what makes you happy, you have a really high chance of attracting other people that are also interested in what you're putting out into the world. Now let's look at some of the job sectors that are most at risk of automation. And it's helpful to first get a sense for what are the biggest job sectors in America. So number one is healthcare. Number two is information technology. Number three is real estate. Number four is retail. And just starting with those four, healthcare will likely require human input for some time. We already talked about the notion of soft skills as being important for the healthcare sector. Information technology is still in its early stages, so that will require human collaboration for the foreseeable future. But real estate, I believe, is the first major job sector in this list that is ripe for disruption. And if you look at the data, there are more realtors in the country right now than there are homes for sale. And the real estate market has been red hot, so a lot of realtors have actually been doing pretty well for themselves, but it seems so clear to me that eventually the realtors will go the way of car salesmen, where why would I pay 6% of the largest purchase I'm going to make in my whole life to someone who essentially does what Zillow can do for me? Why wouldn't I just go online, read all the statistics about a home, even do a virtual tour? I can go see the home myself. I can do it all online. There's not really a need to have someone taking a percentage of the home value just so they can show you around to a few places. Certainly for really high-end real estate, maybe there will still be a need for realtors because why not? If you're paying so much already, it might not matter to uber wealthy people. But I think for regular home buyers, it just doesn't make sense to hire a realtor. Already, I don't think it makes a ton of sense. And certainly within the next 10 or 20 years, 
I think it's going to be one of the most impacted job segments. The next industry that is ripe for disruption is also one of the biggest, which is retail. Already, there are a lot of stores being disrupted by self-checkout aisles. That was kind of version one of automating retail. And at McDonald's, you can do self-serve kiosks where you just order on a digital screen. Now there's also Amazon Go stores, which do away with the need for checkout at all. You literally just pick up something and leave. So that technology could certainly spread. And there are new trendy autonomous restaurants popping up all over the place. Like there's Cafe X, which is autonomous coffee shop that makes your coffee with an actual robot arm rather than a barista. And there's a pizza vending machine that just debuted in Rome where it literally makes a fresh pizza right for you in a vending machine and then gives it to you within a couple minutes. So it seems like retail, real estate, these two sectors are going to get hit hard in the next five to 10 years. The other segment that's going to get hit hard is transportation. Now, one thing I would say about transportation is that self-driving cars are taking longer than most people expected. Most people expected that by 2020, 2021, there would be full autonomy achieved. However, that's not the case. We're still working on perfecting self-driving technology. However, I think it's pretty clear that by 2030, for sure, there will be self-driving cars, at least for things like long-haul trucking, which is probably the first to go once self-driving technology is perfected. And after that, any type of delivery driver, these will also be disrupted by self-driving technology. In the short term, you can make a great living as a trucker because there's actually a shortage of truckers right now. But if you're looking at a 10, 15, 20 year time horizon, transportation is going to get majorly disrupted. Now that we've looked at some of the job sectors that are future proof and some of the job sectors that are most vulnerable to disruption, let's take a look at the future scenarios to predict what's going to happen in the months and years to come. Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is that the disruption to these major job sectors occurs before the new job sectors are ready to replace it. And this could lead to a situation where if there's runaway inflation and people's savings dwindle to near nothing and they don't have enough money to buy food, buy water, buy housing, there could be pandemonium in the streets. There could be rioting, looting, there could even be violence, there could be revolution or war. It sounds crazy to say but other times where the global economy has shifted in the way that it's shifting now, there has been a tumultuous period of transition. Now let's talk about the best case scenario. Best case scenario. The best case scenario is that there never is a period of runaway inflation because the transition from a centralized economy to a decentralized economy happens gradually, and there's no major disruption to business as normal. So imagine if we see 5% inflation in 2021, 10% inflation in 2022, 15% inflation in 2023. These are all high inflation numbers, but they're not enough to create a crisis scenario. So that would be enough to push businesses to transition to sound money. We would have all the benefits of transitioning to a new, stable world economy without the normal tumultuous period that tends to occur right before then. Now let's talk about the most likely scenario. Most likely scenario. To me, it's inevitable that most of the jobs of today 
will be automated. However, many new types of jobs will be created. Who would have thought that being a YouTube influencer would be a job 20 or 30 years ago? It's hard to foresee the new jobs that people will have in the future. And at the same time, some jobs that have existed for a long time will continue to exist indefinitely, jobs that require soft skills. And human beings will always want to interact with each other. They will always want to entertain each other. So the creator economy, the economy of people interacting with one another will be here to stay. I'd like to end with a quote from Alan Watts, which really gets at the heart of all the changes that are going on right now. Quote, the only way to make sense out of change is to plunge into it, move with it, and join the dance. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you next week. The past, the present, and the future. Present